Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Emerald Sports Podcast. My name is Shane Hoffman, and instead of being joined by Charlie Gearing this week, I'm joined by Gabe Ornelas. How are you doing, Gabe? Good, man. How are you? Good, good. So we got some news just before this broke, actually, that Oregon is ranked number 15 in the college football playoff ranking. It's their highest ranking, I believe, that they've ever had in that ranking. It's three weeks into the season now. Gabe, do you think that Oregon is a team that coming into the season – and, and both now really is a team that could compete for the playoff? Or do you think they're more like frauds in terms of the schedule might not line up and they might not get enough quality wins before it comes time for them to select those teams? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say frauds necessarily, but it's hard to consider Oregon like a playoff team if they've only played three games so far and Absolutely. other teams have played eight or nine so far. So I don't realistically think that it's possible for Oregon to get into – the playoff, which, you know, we'll kind of get into like, and, and their, and their games haven't, they haven't, they haven't looked great. So I don't understand. Like, first of all, I don't really like get the whole season so far. Like if you're going to start a team all over the place. Yeah. So, I mean, if, you know, if, if you're going to essentially start these other teams, eight games in already, and then you're going to put Oregon in and they're only have four games, let's say by the end of this week, then how do you figure out, like who's getting in, who's not getting in, like, you know, does, let's say, does Clemson get in if, you know, um, if they lose like one more or does like right. Bama get in if they lose two more or something like that. But I guess we'll see yeah. what happens. So how do, you, um, like, how do you match up? Like a, even if yeah. there's, you know, a six and O team versus a, what, a 10 and two team, for example. Exactly. So I don't understand how they would get into the playoff at this point. I mean, the Pac-12 is weak already. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, they would need to like essentially dominate everyone from now on to the Pac-12 championship and hope that they play USC and hope that like um, USC gets better and looks better. Cause they don't look very good at all right, either. So, yeah. so, I mean, they essentially have to steamroll everybody and we're going to get into last Saturday, but I mean, given what they've been doing so far, it's not looking too great for them. No, I've been, I've been a little skeptical. I was skeptical last year when people were, you know, calling them as a team that could be in the hunt and this year as well. Not only is the Pac-12 weak, but the way they have it set up is essentially the only way that Oregon can even get in is if they – first of all, they need to play three more games at least. We've seen – I mean, Arizona State just got their third game canceled. Arizona State's going to enter week four of of Pac-12 play, which is now like week 10 of regular college football, and they played one game. So it's like you look at stuff like that, Oregon needs to play three more games, and so does USC. They need to be at least each 6-0 going into that Pac-12 championship game. But even then – like you just mentioned, Gabe, like neither one of these teams has looked super solid. And I think Oregon will improve. We'll get into the kind of the season thus far and then what we kind of predict moving forward in the second here. But look, I've been skeptical. Also, <laughs> their highest ranking, number 15, it's not like they're right on the on the verge here. I think last yeah. season was actually their their better shot. But anyways, uh, moving on, we're going to talk about uh, Oregon's game last week. Their win over UCLA. Charlie and I were there covering it freezing in the press box uh, <laughs> luckily i remember gloves box. this time but charlie <laughs> uh did not he was freezing um weird game super weird game probably one of the weirdest games i've been in attendance for uh you watched it what were your your biggest takeaways from the ucla game um there's quite a few um it's hard to know that oregon can barely be a team who spends millions of dollars on food and has essentially like uh, dare I say, like a shittier program so far. Um, like Chip Kelly essentially has 
lost control of the Bruins for a brief moment, and it seems like they're getting back on track a little yeah, bit. Yeah. I'm not sure if that's what this game did for them. Um, but as far as Oregon goes, their defense needs to get better. Like, Absolutely. if you're going to be considered a playoff team and you want to go undefeated and you want to play, like, the likes of Bama, Clemson, Notre Dame, um, and so-and-so, then you have to have a stout secondary and you yeah. have to get stops on third down. Their inability to get stops on third down made them look pretty bad and just just average, I think. Um, but I guess in that sense, their um, ability to create turnovers and get four turnovers because they had zero before I mean, the That game. was the difference, right? Yeah. And it was just like um, when, when UCLA played them two years prior, they outgained them, but the turnovers was the difference. And I think the defense is the place to start, right? The defense yeah. especially. Yeah. And, I mean, it's kind of was the same game. Like, they got beat in every sense of the game, but they ended up, like, winning. So I think their ability to get four turnovers and to score off four turnovers really kind of just saved their asses. That, and, was, that was the difference. Yeah. You, and, go yeah, ahead. Yeah. I was, I was not, you think that people, even without the – you know, you lose Javon, you lose Brady Breeze, uh, Troy Dye goes to the draft – um forgetting someone here oh thomas graham thomas graham yeah. was it just did it you think now is it just that they lost too much they're too young because i think people had this mentality moving into the season that after such a dominant year from defense last year people and you know i was kind of among them in in a, in a sense where i just thought you know what they're just going to reload there's a lot of young guys that look good last year they're just going to slide into these spots now they're one of the youngest teams in the nation and is it just lack of experience maybe I think essentially that's kind of what it's going to end up being said when the season's over, because like you said, like everyone was kind of riding high with like, Hey, we're going to have breeze come back and, you know, Oregon, meaning we Oregon, um, you know, they're saying, Hey, we're going to have breeze come back. We're going to have Javon come back. We're going to have all these other guys come back and they're going to slide into these spots that they were kind of like battling for. But now if you're Oregon, then you are kind of faced with like, oh shit, like we have to like fix everybody's spots now because we right. have a bunch of young guns that just kind of just plug in. So I think, I mean, because like, because like Brady Breeze like was like essentially just irrelevant until last year. And then he showed until, up- until the end of last year, really. Yeah, and then showed up and then won Rose Bowl defensive MVP and was essentially regarded as one of the best, like, or, and was, and was going to be the best or if not top five, like sideline safeties in all of college football. Um, so losing that and then losing the guy in Javon who can, I mean, get you going on special teams is just like a plug of energy can get you going on defense can cause turnovers. just like, it's just a go get guy um, is gone too. And he had his reasons because of COVID and he didn't feel safe, which is fair. Um, but when you start to miss those guys and you don't have those outlets to plug into, then you're starting to rely on these recruits you don't expect to kind of play until next guys year. are just having to step up maybe a year earlier than they were expecting to exactly. exactly stuff like that and and you mentioned the third downs right so you look at a game like ucla where the reason that they're giving up so many third downs is because there's third and shorts there ucla was running it down their throats on first and second down they got pushed around on both sides of the ball we'll get to the offense in a little bit but they got pushed back routinely on defense the defensive line was probably one of the standouts in terms of who performed the least well in that game and you talk about those safeties Javon and Brady those were guys that could could play the pass but were also super stout coming up and tackling and like look like Nick Pickett can come up and tackle um Jordan Happel had like 11 tackles last week but then these guys are getting burned when it goes deep they played they played three games now 
One of those games was a, was a last-minute backup quarterback, Jack West, who had thrown like 37 career passes. Mm-hmm. Week two, it was a true freshman. And he's, I think Jaden Delore is a good true freshman. And then this week, it was another guy where it was a backup quarterback who had basically no game experience. And they, I don't know if he's just good or they made him look like that, but all three games, the quarterbacks have looked more than competent. And so you have to kind of question the defense. I think, like Avalos said last week, the turnovers are going to come and they're going to come in bunches and they came. And that was the difference like we, we saw, but the tackling has been abysmal. And that's what I wanted to ask you about is, do you think this tackling thing is a youth thing? It's maybe a, a weird season preparation thing. It's just been, you know, what's the deal with that? Like, I, I, can't, I can't imagine cold weather is the problem there. It's just they haven't been able to wrap up. Yeah, it's like tackling is such a like such like a fascinating thing to me that people tend to lose if they don't do it for a while. Like they kind of like forget like how to do it. Mm-hmm. And that's, you know, and and that's and that's and that's no knock on anybody in college like that goes for NFL, high school, college. Um, but I think um, last week they kind of talked to the coach staff about it. And he was like, we essentially didn't have an offseason. So everybody was at home. And no one ran tackling drills like, you know, no one was like doing these drills to just kind of get your body back in the motion of tackling mm-hmm. someone. And I think that's kind of where they suffered a little bit is not having an offseason and not having just yeah. basic drills to do. Because, I mean, you know, in high school, when I played football, like you just go through those motions of like every summer, you know, this drill, this drill, this drill, this drill. And then mm-hmm. you're ready to go, you know, um, when it's time for the season. But I don't think I mean, I think some of it has to do with youth in some positions, but some guys that have been there for a year or two, like you should be knowing what you're doing by now. You're playing at this high level and yeah. I get not having um, the off season to train and to just get back your body into just the constant use of having to do these motions. It yeah. can get a little bit difficult, but um, yeah, I mean, it's week. It's going to be week four. There's kind of, you know, these excuses are going to have to stop. You just got to just, you know, just like every coach says, just, just, just do your job, and that's what they're going to start doing. Yeah, and they get some good news. I mean, for everyone who watched the game, uh, Noah Sewell goes down. It looks pretty bad. He gets carted off. Turns out he's practicing yesterday, so it looks like that's he'll be ready so for the weird. game, which yeah, is that's... very weird. I mean, he, it, I kind of started to think that when I saw him come back out on the sidelines and he was barely using his crutch that he had and he had a walking boot on. But it's terrific news for the defense because – um, and I've been having this conversation with a few people, but if you measure defensive impact by just making plays, then he's unequivocally been their best player this season as a true freshman. Um, sim- not not dissimilar to how his brother came in on the offensive line his freshman year a few years ago. Uh, Noah Sewell, big Sewell's old boys been, too, yeah, Some just big huge, boys. strong, fast. Noah Sewell. Every time I watch a game he's the guy that pops out. It probably helps that he wears number one on his jersey, <laughs> but he's just always running on, in the backfield. I think last week he didn't even play the whole game, obviously, because he went out, but he had um, he had a sack where he kind of ran up, he jumped, and then he kind of goes down, sacks the quarterback. Um, he, he forced one of the fumbles. So he's just been making a ton of plays. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Noah Sewell. And just outside of that, some guys, there's been a lot of guys that I think, I don't know if you call it underperformed, but just maybe some guys that you think are, are doing really well, despite the defense's kind of inability to get – I know it's kind of it's the standard tire, but inability to get stops in, in critical moments against these teams. Yeah, and I mean, in Sewell's second start, he had five tackles, a forced fumble, a sack. So I mean, he's obviously performing to where they need him to perform at. Yeah. Um, and I mean, it's it's kind of like 
it's still so wild to me that, that you can throw in a true freshman and expect him to just perform. Yeah. But he seems that to just family's keep performing. Just different, man. Yeah, no, I mean, they are. I mean, Panay is obviously going to go the first – well, I mean, I don't know about first pick in the draft. He'll be like a top five pick top for three, sure. no question, yeah. Um, and just to keep I like essentially like putting these guys in and they're just going to keep performing for you. Um, but, I mean, in the sense of Noah Sewell – I think he's performed very well. And I mean, is really all you can ask for out of a true freshman More linebacker. Than for, yeah. yeah um, as far as guys not going, I mean, maybe cave I mean, I would say cave needs to get a sack. I mean, this could be the week that he could do it, but yeah. I think he needs to kind of get going on that end too. Cause he essentially is a guy who's been there for two years. Well, he was uh, a guy that point. seemed like a, a guy that could win defensive player of the year in the pack 12. Yeah. And yeah, it, exactly. it sucks that it's only six games, but, he had what uh, uh, like nine sacks last year, and most yeah. of those were coming in fourth quarters at the end of the season with when it mattered. But this season, just it hasn't been there, and the defense as a whole isn't getting as many sacks and tackles for loss. But I feel like going back to our conversation about having a younger team, I think that front five, front seven last year was a lot more veterans. They could open up a lot more spots yeah. for him, but now you're kind of relying on a different package of guys. Yeah. So maybe Kayvon isn't performing to where he is used to. Yeah. But, I mean, in that sense, like, I haven't heard a peep about um, about uh, Jordan Scott either. So, I mean, he's essentially that guy who's just in the middle who's just going to try to plug lanes for you. But... It's him, Fallu, and, and Kayvon, the same yeah. guys it really was last yeah. year. That's why you yeah. got a question that you see, like, that on paper, based on experience, is, like, one of the stronger units. Um, so I think Isaac Slade at linebacker, he had been – maybe not flashing, but people know he's one of the more talented players. And I think he played really well once Sewell left the game. I think him and Sewell going forward, really nice tandem in the middle. But yeah. I think this, this secondary has been so up and down. Like Diamondor Lenore has done everything you can ask. He's been locking down his side of the field. I said a few episodes ago, I was like, look, if you don't hear his name as a cornerback, that's beautiful. He's doing exactly what he needs to be doing. Exactly. Um, I've actually been impressed with uh, some of the play they've gotten on the, on the perimeter from some of those young cornerbacks, but, and in Jamal Hill and the nickel as well, but there's just too many times you talk about third and long, just miscommunications and coverage. Um, and look, we are being, you know, kind of harsh here, but this is a team that wants to and believes that they should be competing for not only another Pac-12 championship for, for a playoff. And so if that's the standard you're holding it to, it just has to be better. Um, and well, yeah, and then I guess just like something to ask you to just get the fans like a sense of like what it was like to be there. But like before this year, we've had, you know, the chance to go to games and there's stadiums full of fans there and everyone's there. What was it like to essentially watch a prominent young freshman get hurt and be and have nobody there? Like, was it super weird to just kind of sit there through, like through like essentially just silence? It was one of the. I don't know what the good, a good word would be. It was, it was one of the crazier moments of the game because at first you can't tell who's down. And then it's like, Oh, it looks like Sewell um, because everybody else had gotten back up. He's down for a while. Kayvon was down for a while as well, but he got up fine. So they're like, Oh, maybe it's just one of those things. And then they bring the card out. Like, Oh God, here's the card. Yeah. And then, you know, Charlie wrote about this this week as well. A lot of people kind of use this in their pieces. Everybody from the sidelines completely cleared and come out and give them, you know, a, a tap, a hug, something like that. So it seemed like it was a super serious history. It was weird with the with the stadiums. And and that's another thing was like defenses, I think, are more apt to be uh, affected by the lack of fans. 
than the offenses are. Mm. Um, and we've seen yeah, that. A, wanna, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, no, I mean, like, that's a good point because covering the team all through last year and just kind of like how like just just ju- just watching how players react differently to having a crowd there to having that sense of like hey like let's get going like get up right. um uh, and then having you know the crowd at Odson like getting behind them throughout the whole year because they were so dominant um is like so weird because they're they so used to that they yeah and it's I just how much and it's that, just that. a completely different experience Totally. Because your whole life you've been playing in front of people, but then you get to college, there's like this whole different level of just yeah. sound and all that stuff. But probably makes it playing on the road a little bit easier. Uh, yeah. But yeah, the, the offense weirdly has been the better unit. Um, we'll go a little quicker through the offense, but I mean, they're one of three teams in the whole Power Five, I believe, averaging over 275 pass yards and 200 rush yards a game, which is something that. I don't know if you would have said they, they aren't capable of, but with a first-time starter is pretty damn impressive. Mm-hmm. Uh, for anyone who's watched, I mean, Moorhead's play calling is what they needed last year to make the playoff, I think. It's been so much better than Arroyo, more creative with the RPOs. Um, what have your impressions been of the play calling and Tyler Shuck? And then especially, I think we should talk about the offensive line because they kind of had their first road bump against UCLA. Yeah, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just so funny to me because all everybody does still is just bashing Marcus Arroyo, and I think it's hilarious because that's all he's been through the past year, and I'm sure he's sick of hearing it, even though he's a head coach in Vegas right now. Right. But, but I mean, it's hard to kind of cut him some slack because you see Herbert now with the Chargers, and he's crushing it. Yeah. And they've kind of let him open up his offensive game a little bit by as far as just like can you throw the long ball can you run for us like Herbert's on pace to be like the best rookie quarterback ever yes yes um he is and and it's and it's so fascinating because compared to Herbert and Shook I think I think I think Tyler has more of a natural like running like ability and he looks more like just natural and Herbert Yeah, and then Herbert looks like he's laboring like around like a little bit, but I don't just uh, I just don't think he's used to running like he should be. But I mean, essentially, this offense kind of takes you back to the organ of the old that everybody talks yeah. about still to this day within the Chip Kelly era. Where I mean, and even with um, and 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 even with a Mariota, where it was a lot of RPO action. They kind of gave him the ball and just let him just kind of do like whatever you wanted to do. Um, but I mean, I think the offense has looked a lot better as far as just flashy plays, getting people open. It's not your typical, like, run up the middle. Yeah, deep uh, shots, using yes. the running backs in the passing game. Yes, and I think and I think Cristobal, like, emphasized, like, we're going to be a hard-nosed, like, SEC run football team last year that that was kind of their, like, identity. And they were like, we're just going to pound it and pound it and pound it and pound it and then take a shot, like, over the middle, which is, right. like, essentially what they would do. Um, or, you know, the occasional screen pass to – Johnson and Johnson would run five yards or whatever. Right, right. But um, it's been cool to see like Travis Dye essentially get a chance to kind of prove that he can get out and run and he can catch. Um, the one thing, and then the play that keeps playing in in um, in in my head is is the one where Shuck looks like he's going to take off up the middle and then just throws it over the top to to Dye and Dye just runs a straight path. You never would have um, seen that into last. The end zone. Exactly, and it's. And it's something that's creative and it's something that they haven't seen before. But I mean, I think his ability to be able to get his backs out and get, you know, other people open and get shut kind of moving is good for, for Oregon. And it looks like they can keep going and get like essentially like 
a four star, five star quarterback in there, then they're going to do pretty damn good. But no question. I mean, yeah. But yeah, but I mean, I just think you have what you have now, and they're doing a fairly good job with it. I think the receivers have really jumped out. We, I mean, you know, the one guy who maybe hasn't gotten going yet is Johnny Johnson, a guy who mm-hmm. came off a really good season last year. Mm-hmm. Comes Big back for his, Johnson, his, yeah. his, his final year to kind of prove himself before the draft. He just hasn't gotten that many looks. And I don't know if that's on him necessarily or just how the offense has been flowing. Pittman had a crazy catch in week one, but he's been out the past two weeks. I would imagine he comes back this week because I'm assuming it was a COVID thing, even though they've been really, uh, I guess, the opposite of transparent in terms of injuries. Yeah, for, example, or- for example, here's a story. Uh, Justin Flo, the five-star linebacker, mm-hmm. we found out he tore his meniscus. The team has not announced yet. But I'm like, I'm in the elevator with him earlier talking to him because he lives in my building. And he's like, yeah, I tore my meniscus. But the team won't say anything. So a lot of weird transparency issues. That's off topic. Um, but I mean, that's – I mean, well, without you putting anything out, it's pretty big news. <laughs> like, right. so It's huge. Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, coming from somebody who's covered the team for three, like, three years now, um, they're not very good about being transparent in injuries and about things like that, but that's all college football. And that's a whole different subject we can get into later. You can't um, really blame them in a year like this with the COVID Yeah, stuff. but I, I mean, think it's crazy. They haven't gotten the game canceled yet, but it's, we'll but, see. but I mean, I don't understand just a simple, Hey, like they're hurt. That's it. Like, okay, cool. They're hurt. Like, let's yeah. move on. Yeah. Cause like nobody ever hearkens on the fact that anybody's honest. Like I know as journalists, like we dig and dig and dig and dig and dig, but if you just give us what we want, tell us he's hurt, we're going to try to find out what it is. And then we're going to move on. Cause there's more important things that just, you know, right. um, football is this cognitive machine that just keeps rolling no matter what happens. So it doesn't matter Absolutely. if somebody gets hurt or whatever, it's on to the next week, on the next week. On the next week. And, and going off of that with Micah Pittman being out, we've seen these Oregon receivers step up. And we saw, and we saw it last year because everyone was like, "Pittman's going to be this next great right. thing." He gets hurt. We don't know what it is. We finally find out what it is. And, and without back. Dylan Mitchell too. Exactly. Yeah. And you, because I remember going to Texas with Brady. Shout out to Brady. Um, and us getting down on the field, and they haven't announced who's starting. Like you, kind of get the depth chart, and it's like you know, Jawan Johnson, or 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 or. And then we get down yeah, to the field. They love using their oars here. Yeah. And then we get down to the field. Um, um, Jawan's in a sweatsuit. Mike is in a sweatsuit. And we're like, okay. So they're obviously out for the game. Um, and then you don't know until the team's out on the field, like warming up. So you're just in this limbo essentially until, you know, until you have to see like for yourself. Yeah. And you have to be impressed with how a guy like Jalen Red stepped up in week two. And then last week, and I wrote about him, was Devin Williams, the former USC transfer had to sit out all last year, big body, like six, five long athlete. And he looked all part of that. Yeah. He was great. Um, DJ Johnson at tight end had been great. Camp Moyer comes back for his first game. He has a bunch of catches. He looks very good. Um, So the, 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 the offensive skill position looks great. The offensive line, I think having to replace five new guys, obviously a near impossible task. Um, You almost, at least for me, I just kind of trusted them with Cristobal and Mirabal that they would just get those guys together and, Week one and two, especially in the second half, so they looked like that. Against UCLA, they really, really, really struggled both to run the ball. I think they only, I think they had under 100 rushing yards total, which is like unheard of under Chris Ball. I didn't look it up, but I wouldn't be surprised if that's like the only game under Chris Ball that they haven't rushed for 100 yards. And it's UCLA, which is just kind of weird to me. But UCLA really, really pushed them around, like I said, on both sides. But that guy Osa Odigizua from UCLA, he had like almost three sacks, I think, in the line. They were really bad at the end of the first half. They kind of cleaned it up in the second half. 
what what would you expect from that line like the next three games of the season here as we kind of are at this like midway point yeah um again it's hard to judge I mean you go off of essentially a line who spent their whole careers together last year with the um, exception of Dallas Warmack and Sewell but Sewell was a plug and play guy because you're just going to plug him in and he and you just know he's going to be great big body never let Herbert really get touched or hurt or sacked um and I mean his record when you know when he started was essentially like perfect except for the exception of I think one or two games um so when you replace that with five brand new guys who have yet to like essentially start a full college division one football game or series then it's hard to kind of flip-flop that out um again going back to our conversation about you don't have an off season these guys didn't have an off season to jail that they, they you know you're not in the room together. You're not in the weight room together. You're not like essentially doing anything but texting or doing the zoom call stuff. Um, so it's hard to kind of get them going. But like you said, they've kind of hit their first like road bump and Chuck was sacked four times. And again, after basically going untouched the first two weeks. Exactly. And then, and then just not with that, but if you can't get, you know, if, if, if you can't keep your quarterback upright, then it's hard for you to get your rushing attack going too. Cause you essentially don't have anything going because, you know, because they're getting bullied around, they're getting pushed around. And I think that was kind of the biggest thing for Oregon on on Saturday was that they got pushed around on both sides of the ball. Like, and that's not a crystal ball. That and the turnovers, that was the big key. Exactly. I'm sure he was, I can't imagine what he was saying to them at halftime. I mean, that's the thing he prides himself on or that prides the team on. And, 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 and since he's gotten there, he's been like, we're still going to be kind of flashy, but we're going to be a hard nose tough strong football team and it looks like they lost a little bit on saturday i i i I hate to personally just judge a team off one game there's i don't know four more games left um so um yeah i mean you kind of just got to see where they're going to go from here with them but you have to just kind of just trust that crystal ball is going to do the right thing and that he's going to get his guys ready to play on on friday this week but um yeah, you just kind of have to trust it because there's not really much evidence we have of if they're great or if they're okay or if they're bad. But and they, it's been showing in the rotation. They've been yes. changing guys around. George Moore started the game at tackle. He was not seen in the second half pretty much. Again, um, or, 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 or. Right, right. And so I think they have a lot of good pieces there. I guess it wasn't surprising that they had a game like that. It was more mm-hmm. surprising that it came later and later, like, three weeks in the season but like I guess maybe that speaks to kind of the inability of Stanford and Wazoo's defenses which are yeah. not good units this year and UCLA's yeah. defense has been pretty good um but yeah I was just, I guess I was surprised they had that big of a road bump like halfway through the season again it feels weird to say that because it's three weeks as long um, as three weeks yeah as long like moving three. forward though they play on Friday they got a short week this week um yeah. the game formerly known as the Civil War now it remains the, to be named just the, the rivalry of this cup the battle of Oregon rivalry just who knows at this point um yeah. a team in Oregon State that's extremely different from Oregon a team struggling to find relevant uh, relevancy again excuse me um a team that doesn't get the high recruits they're not flashy but they've been working hard to get back to being respectable um and Oregon on the other side this team with all that stuff who you could say is maybe underperformed it's going to be a super interesting game because it's, it's a clash of all these things. 
but at the heart, it's another thing. It's going to come down to the trenches um, for Oregon state. Their offense hasn't been all that good, but the guy that's been carrying them is Jamar Jefferson, the junior running back. He's got like almost 500 yards and he's leading the league, uh, the Pac-12, excuse me, with five touchdowns through their three games. Uh, just to give you guys a quick rundown on their three games, uh, they lost 38-28 to Wazoo in week one. Then they lost 27-21 to Washington. There was some questionable calls in that game, but that two was close a losses. Tough loss, yeah. It was a yeah. tough loss. And then they beat Cal, and Cal's 0-2 now. It's been a weird year for Cal, but they haven't lost bad yet, and they have beat Cal, a team that was supposed to be good coming into the year. Um, I'm just going to be interested to see if Oregon comes out after last week and, and smashes a team like this in the mouth or if it's another close game. Yeah, and let's not forget, last year's Rose Bowl winning Oregon team did not beat Oregon State by that much, and they had a much better, more veteran squad, and they were rolling at that point. Yeah, um, it, it, but, it, the score doesn't indicate it, but it was extremely close in the fourth quarter. Yeah, and I mean, they only – I think it was like 24-10 or something like that at um, for the final. Yeah, I think that was after a garbage time touchdown too. Yeah, and let's – I mean – just to keep going on it, I guess. I mean, Oregon didn't look great on Saturday, and Oregon State essentially buckled down, beat Cal. Their, their best game, right? So it's these opposite, yeah. these opposing kind of things here. Yeah. So it's kind of essentially it's going to just meet its meet its meet its course on 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 Friday. And I mean, I don't know if Oregon's going to lose. It's kind of hard to say that because Oregon has they have the five star recruits, they have the uniforms, they have you know everything, and Oregon State's just kind of that gritty we're gonna you know show up to the game we're gonna just buckle up and let's just play football so yeah so we're gonna really see if Oregon is able to improve on the things that they lacked last week and I think like you said it's gonna come down to the trenches and if that offensive line cannot keep Shuck up straight or cannot get Verdell or Die or Cyrus going then it's gonna be a, a tough game for Oregon because I mean, you have Verdell, you have Die, you have two guys who can really just pound the football for you, and Die can essentially now run and catch. So you have that too. But I mean, I think it's all going to depend on if that offensive line shows up on Friday and if they're able to just keep producing and keep kind of their group that they were on before Saturday. And I think that's kind of going to be the biggest takeaway. They need to get a, a quick lead. They can't. Yes. They can't keep it close for too long. They definitely can't play from behind because Oregon State wants to just bang Jamar Jefferson up the middle every time. Exactly, they, were, exactly. they want to pound the ball. Um, and I'm gonna tell like now, like if they don't fix their tackling issues, it's gonna be a long, long game for Oregon with a guy like that. Who? Yeah, I agree. Demetric Felton made them look. Demetric Felton from UCLA, who was a great running back, made them look silly. Jamar Jefferson's going to make him look really silly if they do that, yeah. especially at the second levels. He's got the speed. He's got the power. So I think Oregon wants to wants to play that flashy, high-scoring brand of, of football. They can kind of slow it down, but when they slow it down, it kind of helps Oregon State. And, like, essentially this is wild for us to even say because, like, Oregon's killed Oregon State for God knows since I was, you know, there's some when there's I was born. That. Let me pull up about how many games they've won, but, yeah. Yeah, and I mean, the last time they lost, I know, was uh, the last year for Helfridge. So that was within the past four to five years. Um, and, then before, and then since then, they've won like 10 out of 
I don't know, like 11 or something. Like I want to say they're like 14 to one in the last year. Yeah. Season. Yeah. And they so, took an average of like 45 points a game in yeah. the last 10 meetings against them. So, I mean, it's hard, for, like, it's hard for me to like say like straight up, like, you know, it's going to be a tough day for Oregon, but I mean, just given the way the team's trending and what we've seen, they look vulnerable and Oregon State looks like they're ready to come to play. This could be their season. They're on a yeah. short season. So this could be their chance. Um, they could be two and one right now, you know, if you know maybe those games are different they could be three and oh right now those yeah yeah those. once more here there yeah but i mean if it's if it's close and it comes down to the end and we kind of didn't talk about this but if it's up to camden lewis are you going to trust camden lewis to get you a field goal because he's been pretty bad terrible. and oregon's terrible actually and, and the field goal he kicked the other night was atrocious and then oregon since aiden schneider which is i don't know it's been a few years since since uh since him uh, has not found their kicking guy which i mean which also to me blows my mind because if you're mario cristobal and you can recruit your ass off go recruit your ass off a kicker because you never know when you're going to need them and the guys that have kickers normally are are good so i mean go find you a solid kicker or like i'm glad you mentioned this because it's been it's been a really not only last year but well not only this year but last year as well it was it was terrible for canada yeah it's bad I saw a funny, funny tweet today. An Oregon student goes, "All those days I saw Camden Lewis out at the lake because <laughs> thirty yards." <laughs> the I see trolls. this everywhere around campus. <laughs> the trolls. He just the just generic looking blonde kid. Yeah. But yep. and I hate to come down on kickers, especially in college, because it's such a mental thing. But he's clearly in his own head. I don't think Cristobal trusts him. And as you said, if this is a team with those aspirations, you have to be able to make at least a thirty yarder. I don't even like a forty yarder would be beautiful. I don't. Even, I'm not even trying to get to that point because that's for most kickers kind of unattainable in college, but it, he needs to be able to knock down these easy ones. He's missed. I want to say he's, is he 0-2 on the 0-3? I don't know if he's hit a field goal yet. Um, he, maybe he hit a chip shot the other night. Yeah. Um, he, he, he made a, he made a, a 23 yard field goal and An missed a 43 yarder. Um, so, but I mean, if, but I mean, if crystal ball saying it's wide open, then obviously he doesn't trust his guy. No, and no, obviously I wouldn't either. And then, and I mean, it's, I mean, it's hard because like Cristobal is fairly honest when he talks about his players and it's hard if you're the kicker to be like, oh shit, like I am not that good. So and that, that gets more in your head. So, and you're a college student on top of it all. So exactly. I that's why I don't want to come down on him too hard, but yeah. But I mean, you're here to do talking about doing your job. Yeah. Your job. Exactly. Exactly. So you're here to do with your job without killing him. Cause I couldn't be able to kick a field goal. That was, 15 yards so who the hell am i to tell him that he can't kick like a 43 yard field goal but i mean essentially you're you are recruited to do one job and you should be able to do that job at a decent level and i don't know what his deal has been i remember um the washington state game last year where he kicked that game when you field goal and he was the man for a week and then it was just like a chip shot as well and then like and then like everybody kind of forgot his like up and down season but i mean he's kind of just where he's been at from last year so and I mean, it's hard if I was Camden Lewis to know that my coach, like, essentially is saying your job's not guaranteed at all to come back and be like, okay, like, I'm going to be good this week. Right. It's not this like a, job. yeah, it's not, I don't know if it's the, the kind of reverse kind of mentality thing there. It's like, yeah. oh, I'm a little scared. I'll do better. Yep. I don't really think it is. But yep. yeah, that'll be something interesting to watch. I want to ask you, too. I mean, we've talked that Oregon is vulnerable, Oregon State is opportunistic. Um, that's they gonna play be the Oregon biggest storyline. Yeah, yeah, they play Oregon State on Friday, then they head down to Cal 
that game was supposed to be a challenging game. I don't know if it will be anymore. And then they'll play Washington in Autzen. That should be. If good. you had to pick one of those games, which game is it where the Ducks slip up? It would have to be Washington. Washington's Washington's been their biggest hiccup over the past three to four years, and Washington always comes to play. Um, yeah, it's another rivalry. Who who knows what yes. happens? Even and Washington, yeah, least. and I mean Washington hasn't lost a game yet, so they have something going for them. Um, but they're for sure not who they were last no, year. They're not as ago. nearly as talented, but yeah. Um, who knows? But I mean, but I mean the I mean the past two years it's been just knockdown last minute wins for Oregon. And going back to last year, like Oregon was essentially, well, I wouldn't say like dead in the rights, but um, Washington had them up pretty good. And then Oregon slowly just started to come back. And then um, Cyrus had a huge game and they essentially kind of turned that game around in the second half and they played a lot better. Um, a very, 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 very tense game. Um, and then I covered the one before that where they won on the walk-off, which was, which is uh, crazy to be at too. But I mean, Washington out of anybody has given Oregon the biggest trouble over the past two to three years. So I think that that's going to be Oregon's biggest challenge. Um, and I don't know if they play UFC or UFC, if they play USC, that that's going to be a big challenge to them either. Cause yeah, you know, they have a great for those guys too. And yeah. it's a great transition. I want to talk quickly before we get out of here about just yeah, yeah. the state of the pack 12, because again, I'm Ooh. shocked that Oregon and USC haven't had a game canceled. It's almost suspect. <laughs> um, Arizona State might not even play another game this year. Yeah, they, they just got game. their third game in a row canceled. Um, their game against Utah this weekend just got canceled earlier today, I believe. Um, we've seen it week in, week out now with the Pac-12 more than any other league. I guess the Big Ten is in kind of a similar boat. Um, but, like, what – I don't know who's good in the Pac-12. I don't even know who's playing weekend to weekend. Um, we've been doing, like I've said, we've, we've been recording these podcasts. Like, what are you looking for in the Pac-12 this weekend? And then they end up getting canceled. Or we write about it and it gets canceled. Like, have, yeah. is, has anyone else caught your eye in the Pac-12? I know Colorado's looked okay. Like, anything at uh, all? Um, like I said just a second ago, Washington. I think it's, I think it's honestly, it's Oregon, Washington in the north and USC, Colorado in the south. Yeah, Those are the only four teams. With, with so little games, you, yeah. And I mean, Colorado isn't even going to be able to play against, or so so they're essentially behind the eight ball because they didn't even get to play um, Arizona State. So right. now they have to play USC. So this is essentially a big game for the South. It's huge. It of, is the it decides the South. Yeah. No. Yeah. It is, and and it, and it essentially is going to show you where Oregon's going to go. And I think if Colorado wins, they're in the top twenty-five. If and then if USC wins, they'll probably stay where they're at. Yeah. Um, I, I just don't see Oregon or USC climbing the rankings unless teams start to just lose. Right. And I mean, that's kind of their yeah, only yeah, way to come from at this point, because the PAC 12 is just so up and down with COVID and with having to cancel games. And it's honestly ridiculous. Um, like, like just Washington State even playing Oregon was insane because like like that whole week of their coach just being like, let's just talk about football and being like, oh, hey, there's like 30 something cases. But like, let's just talk about football was insane. But at the end of the day, all these people care about is winning. So they just want to get out on the field and give their team a chance to win. That's essentially what they're doing. Yeah. Um, but I mean, if I don't and I don't know if this story came from the back 12, but I know one team couldn't even play because they didn't even have enough like players yeah. to 
to even team, I think it was uh, it was Washington team. State yeah yeah so yeah they had like they had something like 32 players out I and mean, we talked about that a few weeks ago it's just yeah. it's mind-boggling it's it's but dangerous I, but at yeah. the same time I feel for some of these guys like say a Jaden Daniels like a quarterback who was really good as a true freshman trying to assert himself build up draft stock now he's played one game the only game was against USC in a game that he didn't play all that well it's like you feel for these players it's mm-hmm. a clusterfuck um, it is no it is it's the Colorado a, USC game will be big um if you had to kind of look ahead you told me that you think Washington is the game where they slip up I guess what do you think Oregon slips up and if they don't and they end up playing an undefeated USC what where did when it's all said and done like it's impossible to predict with COVID but where do you see Oregon being heading into next year um I see Oregon as a potentially one loss team um and even with the one loss, they can even still go to the Rose Bowl. So they can be back-to-back Rose Bowl champs. Yeah. Um, but I don't know. Well, because because the, they'll still play in the Rose Bowl this year, right? Despite I'm the not, it's been – I've heard yes, I've heard no. It'll be interesting. And it'll also be interesting to see who they would play because Ohio State's clearly the best team in the Big Ten. They'll probably make the playoff. If they don't, I think – well, if they don't, it'd be, it'd be cool because that was the game we were supposed to get this year. Exactly. At the start of the year. So it'd yep. be cool to see that game happen in the Rose Bowl. I don't think it happens. I don't know where OSU slips up. If it's not, it's probably what Indiana. Who I f- yeah, that's, that, was, that, was, that was what I was saying last week was Indiana-Oregon, I think, is the game for the Rose Bowl. I mean, in, I mean, Indiana's looked phenomenal. Yeah, you I want mean, to talk about a secondary game torch? Like, wait till they play that guy, that Mike Penix guy from Indiana. He will torch. He threw, he threw five touchdowns and a pick against a pretty damn good defense. And yeah. Justin Fields looked pretty bad. And Justin Fields is one of the best quarterbacks in college football. They had uh, Fry Fogel, this receiver, went off for like damn near 200 yards and three yep. touchdowns. I mean, they yep. looked scary. And I wasn't sold on them until the past few, two weeks, but I'm sold on them now. And I kind of, I, I or it could be Michigan. Like, <laughs> i'm kidding i'm kidding that's just a oh no man kate mcnamara taking over <laughs> quarterback response no like the big Ten's got just as many fucking issues as i mean we're like michigan celebrating a win over rutgers and double triple overtime so we yeah. don't even get started yeah. on this yeah, no, i think it'll be true. that's true um, yeah and 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 i mean just kind of go back i mean i th- i think and like listen like oregon has the best chance to get out of the pack they're obviously the best team in the pack yeah um they're just not that good i don't think yeah and and i mean in just such a weird wonky year where they've only played three games and it's november 24th i mean Mm -hmm. it's weird to know that they don't have a shot because of their weekend conference which is not their fault but i mean it's hard when you have the likes of clemson and notre dame and alabama and all those other teams at the top to kind of be like hey we beat washington like you know put us in and then like you know, these other schools, like, hey, like, we lost. Yeah, like, like, what do Clemson. you point to? Like, what is the win? Yeah. It's like USC, maybe. It's just, I don't know. It, we kind of saw a similar thing last year where Oregon was rattling off those wins. They fall to Arizona State. Um, and then they're, they're slotted to play Utah. And everyone's like, well, Utah is just a better team. They're not as flashy. And then they blow them out of the water. And they kill and then Utah, the same thing yeah. with Wisconsin. It's like they're going to get knocked around by this Big Ten team. And they, they, they played, played well. They really it's good, weird, yeah. But they played yeah, yeah. well. So who knows? I'm sitting here saying that if they play at Indiana in the Rose Bowl, they'll get blown out. Um, who knows, though? We're just kind of, I just wanted to, we're midway through this six week season. So we don't want to, it's take fun to some, float things around, you know? Yeah, it's, take, take it's the temperature a little bit. Um, yeah. So yeah, it'll be interesting to see. They play Oregon State on Friday, as we said. Then they'll head down to Cal and then they'll finish out with Washington before a potential Pac 12 championship game. 
I think that'll do it for us. Uh, I've been Shane Hoffman here with Gabe Ornelas, and 